Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with my co-host, Rachel Santizo, and our guest, Heidi Alamea. Is that close enough? Yep, that's good. Okay. Uh, this is, we want to thank you for making us one of the most watched and listened to podcasts uh, dealing with addiction and recovery. We yeah. try to be honest about everything that happens. We're not trying to push Odyssey House. You can, you know, in my opinion, if you're ready to, if, if you're ready to seek treatment uh, and you're, you're open uh, and you really want it, yeah. probably almost any program will work. Right. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's. And everyone's journey is different. So whatever that looks like for you. Yeah, so yeah. that's what we try to provide is the different perspectives. So our, our guest, uh, it's one of our, and, and again, I'm not trying to push Odyssey House, but one of Odyssey House's program is uh, adolescent residential. Uh, and Heidi is program manager there. And I have watched you a little in action. And, 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 I've, and I've been over there on and off for the five years I've worked here. And that's a really difficult group of kids to work with. Yeah. They can be. Well, and it's what, 13 through 17? Yep. And sometimes we'll have an eight, somebody that turns 18 and they stay for a couple months till they're done. And, so. and they come in for? Um, mainly drug addiction, um, but we also get kids that have behavioral issues. Um, some kids are court ordered there. Um, some are DCFS cases that come in through the system. And then um, sometimes we have parents who are struggling with their kids that you know, don't really want the help. And so they come to us and ask us to kind of help their kids. So And it could be co-occurring stuff like cutting along with substance mm -hmm. use, and, right? Yep. We've got kids that suffer from suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, um, all sorts of different things. And we have lower functioning kids. We have kids that are higher functioning. And when I say lower functioning, I mean kids that suffer from like their um, delayed like educationally, sometimes mm -hmm. they yeah. have like a second grade education. So, or they suffer with, or they don't suffer. They're diagnosed with like autism or mm -hmm. on the spectrum. So we get a lot of those kids. Let's uh, let's clear this up right away. Uh, we we read a lot of news stories about some adolescent programs where kids are uh, drugged as punishment, locked in a room as punishment, uh, yeah. severely restrained as punishment. Uh, sometimes sexually abused. Uh, tell us how Odyssey uh, Adolescent Program works. We don't do any of that, right? No, we don't. Um, we try to use the least amount of like force to the kid. Um, we try to instill, you know, it's their choice. We give them choices and we try to get them to redirect themselves. Like they'll go to their room. We have them take a walk with staff outside in our courtyard um go to a room just kind of quiet down and just kind of redirect um worst case scenario it's like if a kid gets into a fight it's just kind of like we separate them we try not to hold them too long um and if it does get worse than that we typically will call authorities like it's not something that we're gonna continue to hold a kid for and we're, um, we're not really licensed to be able to do any of that kind of stuff either right mm -hmm. but uh we have I, I'm, I always get confused on how to describe it. We're not a lockdown facility, yeah. but the doors are locked. So, yeah. <laughs> so if I want to leave, can I leave? Um, 
in the adolescent program because they are either ordered or court ordered or parents place them there, parents would have to come and pick them up. So like the parents have to decide whether or not the kid is is ready to leave or not. And a lot of times we do get parents who pull their kids. Um, the kid just doesn't want to sit there and they're not happy about it. So the parents will come and they'll take them. <coughs> Occasionally we'll get parents who end up bringing their kids back um, <laughs> because it's like, you know, they, they try to appease the kid and then they go home and then the kid isn't doing what they're supposed to. So then they bring them back. <laughs> I have, a, I have a question. You speak so eloquently, like, and you know what you're talking about. What got you into this field or wanting to help kids? Um, honestly, so like, um, obviously I'm Polynesian. <laughs> um, and in our culture, it's Probably always, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a rare last name. Not very many have my last name. So if you have it, sorry, We're related. <laughs> we might be related somewhere down the line. Um, but in my culture, like, um, kids are always taken care of. And so like my dad and my mom were always like taking people in. And so I'm like, why do you guys keep bringing these kids in? Um, but later in life, my aunt was a nurse at one of the treatment centers um, here in Salt Lake. And she was like, hey, we need more people to kind of help out kids and be mentors and, you know, just kind of help out. And I was like, okay, whatever. How old were you then? I was 18 at the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. like literally fresh out of high school. And I was almost, I was about going back and forth from like different jobs. Like I was working at the airport. I was working <laughs> anywhere else, but with people. Okay. Um, I was trying to go back to school to be a lawyer. And I was like, realized I didn't want to do that. But I will say my first year working in this field with kids, I almost quit. Like I would call my dad every day crying. Like I'm going to murder one of these kids <laughs> yeah, it's or stressful. kind of like what you had brought up like kids cutting like I literally watched a girl cut herself and I was like why do people do this to themselves yeah like this is weird to me like it's not common knowledge it's not like in our culture it's like taboo to talk about it and so a lot of times people are like people don't do that <laughs> we just get into fistfights and you know wrestle on the ground or go play you know, sports. That's that's how we dealt with frustration and <laughs> Become anger. Become a BYU lineman. Right? <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but no, like I started realizing that there were different ways to talk to kids and understanding where they came from. And a lot of how I grew up is kind of how I kind of run my program today. So like when the kids are swearing at each other or being disrespectful, it's like, hey, come here, let's sit down. We're going to talk. We're going to talk this out. We're not going to sit here and throw the F-bomb out or call people bad names. Like, we're going to sit here. We're going to talk it out. Sit here. Be honest. Talk about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Let's figure it out. Instead of causing more problems, get to the root of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of done that throughout my whole career, I guess. And so, like, I started out, like, as a simple tech, just kind of coming in, doing the everyday job. And I've kind of moved up. And now I kind of run my programs. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been doing this for how long now? I've been doing this for about 20 years. Wow. So a lot of kids will That's always dedication. be like, you don't look like you're that old to be this. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so um, I was, I, I recently, I don't know when people are going to be watching or listening to the podcast, sure. but I, I recently came to uh, a graduation at, at your adolescent house. Mm -hmm. And it was for two, two of the kids. Mm -hmm. And my observation, when you think of an adolescent treatment facility, I don't know what images come to your mind, but 
my observation was that that was an evening filled with love. Mm -hmm. And when you guys talk about the kids who are leaving, you're crying a lot of the time, and and there's a lot of love there. Uh, Is is that a fair assessment, what I saw? Yeah, it is. I mean, do you get close to them? Yeah. I mean, the kids, it's sometimes people tell you not to let the kids give you nicknames. Um, And you heard it. You were there. A lot of the kids at my facility call me Abuelita. Or there's a few people there that they have different nicknames for. They call them Thea, Mama. Um, Like just giving them, it's kind of a family sense. And a lot of these kids that we get don't get that. Sorry, I'm getting. Mm -hmm. No, Um, that's right. But like for me. You get electrocuted the next time you do it. I was like, dang it. (laughs) Um, But no, there's a lot of love filled in it. Like. It's, it's literally like a family. Like you have anger, you have frustration, you have sympathy, you have um, compassion. And a lot of these kids have never been able to like express that. Yeah. So like when they come through our program, we try to give them that so they can like, go ahead, do it. Like I have kids, I have boys there that sometimes they've never cried. Yeah. And I literally like the, they'll tell me they're like, People tell me I can't cry because I'm a dude. I'm like, I have brothers who cry. Who cares? Cry. Like that's, it's normal. It's a normal emotion. Mm -hmm. And by the time they get to graduation, you saw um, one of my boys who graduated, like he literally before it even started, Randall, he was crying the whole time. He was like crying from the, the time he woke up until like we were done with graduation. And it was just cause, you know, he came from a background where he lived in trap houses his whole life. And so this is why I do it. Like there are kids out there that we can touch and like give them some sort of like, I don't know, belonging. Like they, they can do something better. Like this kid has hopes and dreams. He's going back to Texas and he wants to like open up a YPR. Like he wants to open up a chapter there. And he's like, wants to go back to school. He wants to do all this work that he never thought he could. And I think that's the biggest thing is like sometimes when people say they grew up in treatment centers, they're like, oh, so you're crazy. (laughs) Like, and I'm being honest, like there's a lot of kids out there that when they come to a treatment center, they don't want to be labeled as crazy. And Mm -hmm. that's just kind of how it is. But when they come in, we're like, you're not crazy. You may do crazy things, but, you know, what do you want to do outside of that? I literally had a conversation with a kid last night. Like, what do you want out of life? No strings attached. Like if you could do whatever you wanted to do in life. Charges are gone. You know, you could go back to school. You graduate, do whatever you want. What would you want? He's like, well, I want a home. I want to live in a a good neighborhood. I want to have a happy home. I want to be able to provide for my sisters and my mom. And I'm like, why isn't that possible? But I think there's a lot of kids that come through the programs I've been in. People don't give them that. Yeah. They're so quick to be like, oh, you're a delinquent. You're a criminal. You're you a can't loser. do this. Right. You're, you're not worth my time. And so I like to give them that time. I like to surround myself with people who give them that time. And I think as adults, sometimes we forget that we were them once. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, like, don't be don't. sorry. I don't like crying. <laughs> But whoever sees this, sorry. <laughs> no, actually. No, and, and that's what struck me is you do yeah. love the kids you're working with. Yeah. And I, I love the staff that I work with, too, because 
and I tell this, this them this all the time, like I try to surround myself with people that have like similar goals in life or similar mindsets where they want to be helpful. Um, a lot of the people that work with me have been through recovery. Mm -hmm. And so I like them to share their story with the kids. I literally have another lady who works with me who we both grew up in similar backgrounds. Like we broke, we both grew up in California in the ghetto with drugs and gangs and everything else. And the only difference between the two of us were I didn't get caught doing stupid things and I got out and she did. And she got locked up. She got locked up for ever so many years and I did it. And I had parents who were willing to like make sure that we had a better life. And I want to be able to like be that for someone else and then be able to do that for my staff. I think one of my favorite things about the adolescent program is the schooling because a lot of people, they lack schooling or education and that doesn't um, allow you to really, you know, have social mm -hmm. interactions or to be able to grow or feel like you're smart enough or good enough. So how is the schooling there? Like, what is it like if somebody were to bring a child in there? Um, so we do have school. We work with um, Horizonte. It's a alternative school. And so that we, we have a few teachers that come in and they teach the kids. Um, and that's the amazing thing is that the way their schooling is set up, it helps them get credits to catch up or to even get credits. One of our graduates just recently, she had never, she had dropped out way before she came to us and she didn't have any credits in high school. She left with like, I think two, two credits, maybe three. And she was so excited about that. Like she had never accomplished something like that. She never thought that she could be good at anything. She realized she liked math. Oh, good <laughs> um, for her. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was we like, need her. <laughs> she, she really liked math and she really, the teachers try to focus as much as they can with them. Um, we also have like um, special ed teachers that come in and help out with our, our kids that need a little more attention. Um, but we work really closely with the school. Um, the representative that works with me, she's amazing. Anytime we need to talk about something or we have a kid that's getting ready to graduate, um, they were able to come in and participate on Friday too with the graduation. Um, but we also like are able to transfer credits. So like if a kid needs to go home and they discharge from us, we are able to like transfer those credits to them. Right. And the people we work with at Horizonte are really great about making sure that those credits get carried over to them. And the goal being to get back to where you were before you, I mean, where you should be at your age, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so they try to catch them up to where they need to be. Um, we recently had them do some ACT testing. Okay. Um, so if they're 11th graders, um, Horizonte offers ACT testing. So they sign up our, our kids that are 11th graders and they get ACT testing there. Um, so it's amazing and it's wonderful. And I've met some of the teachers and they're, they're, they're dedicated teachers, mm -hmm. you know. And, and the great thing is you get a lot more personalized attention when they're in this program than you would in a normal classroom, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's difficult because, you know, they're not the best of kids sometimes. Like they, they're, most kids don't like school. So yeah. they get fidgety. They don't want to sit in class. Yeah. But I think the best part of this job and just working with adolescents in general is like learning patience. Yeah. Um, before I started this field, I was never patient. I was always like, hurry up, let's go. Hurry up, let's get this done. Now it's like, okay, well, let's let them get it done in their time and let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. I I have a little more patience and I tend to let kids go a little more. Like 
figure it out on their own. Because sometimes people don't let them figure it out. They they want to give them the answer right away. And it's like, no, you, let's see what you figure out. Like, I need you to get your own, your own answers because we're not always going to be there to hold your hand through everything. So how do you figure it out? It's kind of the same thing with school, um, life skills, mm-hmm. groups that we have. It's, okay, how do you come to that answer? What do you what do you need to do to get to that to this place from point A to point B? So you are you are definitely special. Like you put so much heart and passion into this. Like I'm really grateful to meet you. What is the thing? Because it can be an exhausting job. Like what is the thing that gets you up every morning for you? Mm. For me, I think it's just being someone that can be there for them. Like, I think a lot of them, like I said, don't have people that are there for them. And so it's hard for me to like wake up every day and be like, I don't want to go in today. But then I think about someone over there needs me. Like someone there needs someone to like give them some sort of encouragement. Um, Like, I I get tired. I work probably, I'm not even going to lie, I probably work about 100 hours a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, like I go in early, I'll stay late, I'll help out. Um, and it's not even just with the kids, it's like with my staff too, like helping to learn coach, do different things. Um, throughout my career, I've been one of like I want to get knowledge like I want to learn things and I want to understand so a lot of it is like I stay late and I talk to therapists or I'll talk to a doctor or a psychiatrist or another staff or a nurse and for me it's being able to give that knowledge away too so whatever I learn I try to give it away Mm -hmm. so a lot of times when the kids ask me questions I'm like well I'm not gonna lie to you so you know here it is there's the answer what are you gonna do with it so I think that's the biggest thing is sometimes with adolescents, people, they're scared to tell the kid a truth. Yeah. Like they'd rather lie to the kid and be like, no, it'll be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. Like you need to tell them the truth because at the end of the day, if the kid doesn't know the truth, then that's what's going to mess them up in the long run. So I think, and I've said this to many people before, I think the reason our program has been so successful in the last year since I've been there is that we give them that space to be themselves, to be vulnerable and to be honest. Cause that's our biggest thing is, and I really don't care if you mess up. Like, and you'll hear me say it all the time. I really don't care if you mess up. Just tell me the truth. Just be honest about it. Take accountability and then figure out how to move on from there. Cause you're going to mess up. Yeah. Like I was like, and I always tell the kids I'm not perfect, but I will sure as hell take accountability. If, if I mess up or if I'm, I offend you, I will pull you aside later and be like, hey, I'm sorry. And a lot of times when I do apologize about something, the kids are like, you don't have to apologize. Like, no, I do. Because this is me telling, showing you how to be an adult. Like as an adult, I have to show you the example of how to be honest and take accountability. Because if an adult just says, well, I'm never wrong, they're full of it. Right. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Oh, I'm perfect. Well, I mean, pretty close, but <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> might be getting there one day, but, <laughs> but like, I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of kids are scared to be honest and vulnerable with people because they're like, well, people won't listen to me because I'm a kid. Well, why? 
well, because I lie all the time. Well, yeah, <laughs> stop lying and people will, you know, yeah. be more helpful. And I mean, I, I get a lot of kids that even if they've gone home, they'll call us and they'll be like, I relapsed. Yeah. And I'm like, well, are you okay? Do you need help? Like, what do you need? And they're like, I'm okay now. Like I'm sober again, but I just wanted to tell you, like, I relapsed wow. and I'm back on track again. So for me, that that's successful. Right. Like, I don't even care that they relapsed. What I care about is that they were able to, like, seek sure. out the help mm-hmm. and, like, reach out and say, hey, I needed help. And I went and got it. And be vulnerable about it because that mm-hmm. happens and what you do about it. Let me ask you a question that has nothing to do with Odyssey House. Okay. And <laughs> that a lot of people are asking. We've seen a lot of studies lately that show that the teenage girls in the age bracket that that are in your house suffer from the the most mental illness or mental issues uh, in America, okay, and that there's a high suicide attempt rate and yeah. and that kind of stuff. But and I, and I'm just curious for myself when you when we have these mass shootings, okay, it's all young men. Mm-hmm. It's not young women. So if young women are having all these emotional problems, why aren't they out there doing mass shootings? And why is it always young men? Just I know you're not speaking for Odyssey, but I'm just asking you because you've worked with kids for so long. Again, I think in my opinion, I think the reason males are more prone to being the shooters is because, again, nobody... It's, it's taboo for a guy to be emotional, to be vulnerable. And it's easier to play the tough guy and be like, buck up, like, you know, buck up, buttercup, like yeah. suck it up. You're going to have to deal with it, figure it out, like shove that down deep and leave it there where girls aren't taught that we're taught. You need to tell people how you feel. I mean, that's why there's this big women's movement, right? Like, yeah. you know. Um, speaking of, it's Women's History Month. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> Yay, women. Yay women. Um, but I think we, people are more prone to like help women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes these males don't have that strong female figure in their lives that are willing to say, hey, it's okay. Come talk to me. Um, my brothers talk to my mom all the time. Like, she lets them cry. She lets them vent she doesn't i mean they get angry but i i can honestly say like the men in my life have been surrounded by women that even if they do mess up those strong women are able to pull them back up Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of times like even if these males have strong women i just don't think they have a strong enough male in their life to say hey it's okay to cry Um, and that's one thing that I think a lot of the males that we have, especially come through my program, I, for me, it's always like, it's okay to cry. Like if you need to go in the shower and cry, go cry. Like if you need to go cry in your room, go cry in your room. If you want to cry here, cry here. I don't care. Just cry. I mean, I feel some emotion. Yeah. Like scream, cry, do whatever you need to do to get that out. Cause if you keep it in, it's going to come out and it's not going to be pretty for the person that it comes out on. And I mean, I'm grateful for the men that work with me because a lot of times they, you probably won't like that I say this, but they, they're okay with crying and they're okay to be these big teddy bears. 
And I think if there were more, more men like them in young men's lives, then the better it'll be. That's probably right. Why don't you so. solve the problems in America that right now? Okay. <laughs> I can't because they don't like me sometimes. <laughs> I'm a little mean sometimes. <laughs> Are you, uh, you, I don't know if you call it, I, I don't know what your definition of failure is, but you don't succeed with all the kids who come to the program. So if, if, if a kid that you haven't succeeded with, how do you deal with that? I won't call it failure, but... I think that's the thing with me is I, I try not to accept failure. Um, even if I have a kid that leaves before they graduate, it's always, I'm okay as long as you've left with something that you learned from us. Yeah, like a skill or how to be honest, how to be vulnerable, like that type of thing. I mean, and I see it all the time. Like I see kids that leave and I actually was talking about this with one of my staff the other day, or actually a really close friend. I was telling her, I was like, it's funny because some of the kids that were probably the worst kids I've ever worked with are the ones that are always reaching out, trying to see like, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm doing this, I'm I'm doing that. And I'm like, you're one of the worst kids I ever dealt with. <laughs> like you hurt so many people with the things you said, the things you did, and for you to reach out. Like for me, I don't, I don't accept failure. Like I I think. Failure is just a mindset that you have. And if you keep yourself in that mindset, you're never going to get anything done. I have a question for you because we're running out of time. And so I'd love from your perspective to to tell us a story of hope that that a troubled teenager can get better or loved, you know. So what is a story that really melts your heart? And I think all of them probably do. So I'm going to throw that out there. But what is one to kind of lay it out and Good show question. that there's hope out there? Yeah. Um, man, you're right. There's a lot. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> um, I've seen, because when I worked at um, Odyssey, I saw kids when they were transported from Idaho, they were like, you know, 15, 16, and they're shackled up and then they go in because that's how they transport them. Mm -hmm. And so coming from a state like that, like what is a state like that into where they are now? There must be some story that sticks in your head that was extremely gratifying. Um, yeah, I, so probably early on in my life there, like in my career, I worked... It's really old, probably not a good example. I worked at a place called Cottonwood uh, Treatment Center, and we had a few kids there, and I worked on both sides, the the boys and the girls' side. Um, but there's one girl in particular, like, I kind of keep track of my kids sometimes because they'll, like, friend request me or they'll, like, reach out. But this girl in particular, she was just not in the best headspace when she came to us. She always wanted to fight somebody. Like, mm -hmm. everybody was against her. Like, the world hates her. And looking at where her life is now, she's a mother of three. Um, she's about to have another kid. She's an EMT. Wow. She's getting ready to go back to school to get, I think it's her. She wants to be an APRN. And so like for me, that's, that's special. Someone who had all these charges and was like never going to do anything with her life. Everyone hated her. Like no one wanted to be around her. But like just sitting with her, she was one of my favorite kids if I can say that, like she was one of my favorite kids because she didn't care what anyone said. She was going to keep doing what she did. 
And even after she left us, she, I mean, she did go back to lockup, but she got out and she changed her life. She surrounded herself with people that are doing good. Um, I think another one is um, our military service. Mm -hmm. Like I have a kid who, um, man, he was a little shit. Sorry. I don't know <laughs> if I can right. swear. No, yeah. was <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can swear, but he was, he was not the nicest kid. <laughs> But um, we got him when he was 14. Um, by the time he was 18, he was like, oh, I'm going to go in the service. Um, and he did. And he graduated with high honors and he's still in the service. And he, I will always be forever grateful for our military people. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, and that's why you keep coming back. I mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, well, we thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing a little bit of insight, because I don't think people understand that there are varying types of adolescent facilities. Mm -hmm. Right, there and, are. And I like your philosophy that that if they leave with something, okay, mm -hmm. telling the truth, being able to cry, feeling emotion, then you've really made a difference in their lives. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your hard work. Well, thanks Your for hundred hours me. a week. I know, yeah. <laughs> thanks for inviting you. me. Yeah. I'm really grateful we have people like you in this world. So yeah. thank you. Oh, thanks. I hope you go for another 20 if you can handle it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Right. Maybe if it's in paradise, then I'll go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Heidi. Yeah, thank you, Heidi. Thank very much. And thank you for watching or listening to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. Mm -hmm.